Welcome to another edition of the Bandwagon Podcast. And today um, I've got a very uh, unique guest who um, is kind of an archetype of the DJ, producer, the absolute everything in terms of like a, a modern day, um, I say, Bangla artist in some in some angles, um, kind of multidiscipline. I think that's probably the best way of doing it. Multi, uh, multi-genres. Um, I'm not going to say anything more. You'll probably guess it by now, but um, I'm going to invite Mr. DJ Dips. Welcome. Yes, Ricky. How's it going, man? You good? I'm good, man. Uh, thanks for joining uh, joining me oh, today. Thank you for having me, man. We've been trying to do this for a little while, but um, I think with with obviously with COVID and everything else, it's just taken a taken a while, but it'll be worth it. Yeah, I think it's kind of like to be to be honest. It's, I've got no excuses. It's just on me because I was like I was gonna do it, and then I was. Um, I actually took a little bit of a break, yeah, um, just to kind of recharge some stuff, and then uh, course, made yeah. a, a few more. To, it's always good to try and recharge, man. It's yeah, the drawing board a little bit. It's always good. Uh, yeah, I think especially like with COVID and stuff, I think it's kind of like um, reevaluated everything, right? Yeah, I think also like it's it's um, I think it's kind of fast tracked. Uh, people to start thinking of that. I'm not going to hang around to make decisions. If I feel like yeah, in a particular yeah, 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 way, yeah. I'm going to, I'm just going to go and do it there and then. Because I mean, look, you look, you look around, and it's just now more than ever, you realize you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You know, yeah. um, I think that you know we see that more and more and more every single day, man. It's just you know, you, tomorrow is not guaranteed, and you just you don't know what's around the corner. So you know, you got to live life, and you could you got to kind of stop trying to put things off. And thinking, mm. oh, I'll wait for the right time. Like, never's the right time for certain things. You know, you've just got to go with it. So, yeah, I think it's made a lot of people evaluate what's going on in their lives, what they're doing, what they're not doing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, man, it's just, yeah, you've got to, I think everybody's in a certain situation right now where it's time to move on with, with, with what they want to do rather than, you know, what they think in the back of their mind, oh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. And you know that approach that you just said about kind of like moving on, were you always in that kind of space of uh, like putting things off or were you more kind of like, yeah, oh, I've got the idea, I'm just going to move with it? Um, I mean, for me, compared to a lot of different people, for me, the whole COVID, not, well, not COVID, but the whole lockdown, it kind of, for myself, it was a good thing, I think, honestly, because... Mm. The last few years before that, I wasn't in a good place at all. Do you see what I mean? Mm. And it kind of gave me the opportunity to kind of stop, think and rebuild, mm. you know. And, and as you probably saw, I've done a lot of live streams and I tried to keep myself out there as much as I could because I felt like the couple of years before that, I'd kind of kept myself away from everything and tried to shy away from a lot. Mm. Um, so I think for myself, it was really good. And yeah, I probably was in that scenario before where I was in a situation where I wasn't afraid, but I was still, I still thought I'd get a backlash from certain things, which is why, you know, I wasn't putting out a lot of music or I wasn't really trying to get out there and do so much. And then when lockdown happened, I kind of thought to myself, you know what, like, look at what's going on around you. You know, tomorrow, as I said earlier, tomorrow is not guaranteed. Mm. You know, there's no point in me sitting there. The only way for me to make right what's happened wrong in the past is by moving forward and do it, dealing with it. You know, hiding and locking yourself away, or drinking your, yourself away, not, it's never going to solve any situation. So I think in that scenario, yeah, man, it's pushed me to kind of move forward and do what I want to do now. You know, not worry about what's said and what's, you know, what's written or said or whatever about me. I'm not, you know, that doesn't concern me at all anymore. Went through a phase where it really affected me a lot. 
Mm. You know, mentally I was somewhere else, you know. Um, but it really, I mean, it did get to me a lot, but now it's just, I'm not, you know, that's why I feel like now is a brilliant time that we're doing this because as I said earlier, I'd rather talk about everything than keep anything off limits. Do you see yeah. what I mean? Because I feel like there's a story to be told and it should be told, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I feel myself one of the lucky ones that I've gone through a lot. You know, some of it's self-inflicted, so I'm not going to sit there and blame the whole world and say, everybody's against me. Everybody hates <laughs> me. You know, you go through that phase you know, you go through that phase where you're trying to blame everybody else. and But I feel like I've been given a second opportunity. And there might be other people out there do, who end up in a similar situation as me. You know, and I want them to hear this and think to themselves, okay, you know what? No problem's too big to get out of. You know, nothing's too big to kind of deal with. You just got to deal with it head on rather than shy behind it and try and hide. Yeah, I mean, like, there's, there's obviously quite a lot of sense in terms of what, what you're saying. I think sometimes uh, when you have the benefit of hindsight, it's always a lot clearer, especially when you're feeling a better positive, uh, a better mental health frame of mind. It, yeah. it makes some of those decisions quite easy and, and almost kind of embarrassing to think, you know, why didn't I do this earlier? Kind of thing, you know? Listen, I've been through every single phase. I've sat there and thought to myself, there's so much I would have done differently, but then saying that, as much as I would have at the time, I think it's turned me into the person who I am right now. Yeah. You know, and I wouldn't have been at this situation had things been had things been in a different way before. Do you see what I mean? I believe sometimes yeah. people have just got to go through things to kind of get to where they want to be. Yeah. And I think I'm working back towards that. So, you know, at the end of the day, to me, every day you're here is a blessing, you know, especially yeah. with what we see going on around us, you know. So it's just every day is a learning curve. As long as you learn from it, it's a good experience. Yeah. As long as you actually learn from it. When I mean learn from it is you don't keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Do you see what I mean? Or you don't, yeah. keep, you know, you don't sit there and you don't just, you know, okay, I've done that yesterday. I'm going to try and do it differently today. But then you don't end up and you're going back to the, back to square one. Yeah. De you know? Default's very hard to kind of break out as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because it's, it's your comfort zone as well. Yeah. You know, that's why it's default for a reason, because it's your comfort zone. You know, you're comfortable just thinking, OK, if I just put that off for a few days more or if I try not to speak to them or try not to do this, you know, everything will just be OK. Whereas your, your judgment is so clouded at that moment in time that you that's that's the only thing that goes on in your mind is the quickest way of putting things off. Hmm. You know, just to have that peaceful day or peaceful couple of days or whatever it may be. But in the long run, it's just, it's making it even worse. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to kind of, um, uh, kind of go back to yep. um, so, like kind of your entrance into this kind of music genre and into yep. kind of this, this, this life. I, I was, I was actually quite fascinated, really. Um, I was going back through some of my catalogue. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had like DJ Dips and then I've got like Apple Music, which is the only thing I ever, ever kind of signed up to in that way. <laughs> Um, and I, I, I typed in and I was like, fucking you know, hell, this geezer's made all the, you know, you just, I think. You don't realise over the over time how yeah, many. I think a lot. You know what, I don't think I realise myself. Honestly, I don't, I really don't. It's just, for that space of like four or five years, mm. it was really just go, 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 go. And I think when, when that kind of came to an end, I needed a break from it anyway, because I felt like things started to get a bit stale, you know, mm. where you just ended up doing songs for 
for the sake of it or just for the money. I mean, money is great. Don't get me wrong. But when you've got no passion at that moment in time, it wasn't passion, but I think it was just it was a standstill and it was just doing putting stuff out there for the sake of it. And I, and I felt like I was kind of letting myself down in certain aspects of that moment in time because it was just like I if I really stepped back and stepped out of the bubble. Yeah, I wouldn't like that song. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it goes it, it, the 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 conflict between quality and quantity. Exactly. Yeah. It starts coming more and more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. But I was looking at it. I was like, uh, I was looking at the 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 people you've you've, you've collaborated with, and I was like, people sleep on this man. Like, I think it's just like you know, and I think there's a bunch of you guys out there who like worked hard during that period, and I don't think might not necessarily get the full credit now. Maybe at the time, yeah, but you know, from I don't, I don't. I mean, to be honest, there's a whole load of people who I didn't think even at the time were because it was that it was a moment in time where people are like, you know, oh, they're just DJs. Do you see what I mean? They're just DJs. One thing I always said said was, look, man, if you're gonna do like even younger DJs, they can't want to do a track. Let us say, listen, there's no, don't just do it. Don't just come to me and say I want to do a track. One track is not gonna do nothing. It's not gonna cement anything for you. You're just going to be on that bandwagon, which is the reason why we're all struggling to get any recognition anyway. You know, like you've got to have some thought into what you do. Like you've got to have a long term plan. You know, I had a plan. I started as ominous DJs. We started doing all that kind of stuff. And then I thought to myself, right, you know what? I need to do something solo. I want to do something solo. And at the time of me doing my first album, it was like if I just do an album without having anything kind of heavyweight on there, it's just going to be like, oh, okay, it's just the same as everybody else, you know? And that was when the whole thing came about with Kaka, Lembur and Miss Puja. Because I was like, you know what? Like, if I now do something, I need to make some noise. I just can't be one of that bunch, yeah. you know, of, oh my God, yeah, somebody's probably just, he's probably paid Cam Frantic to do the music and he's done this and, oh, he's he's probably just bought the songs from India or somebody and stuff like that. And I think that project was fun because at that moment in time, I knew this is what I want to do. Mm. If I want to be a full-time DJ, I want to be a full-time producer, you know? And that's where you got to kind of take it seriously as to say, okay, you know what, actually, it's not a single. So I'm not going to do one song and see how it goes. Let's put an album together. That's where you cement that you're an artist is when you put an album together and you put a body of work together, that truly shows that you're actually interested in what you're doing. You know, not going and buying five songs of somebody, you know, actually sitting down with writers, getting the songs written, finding the vocalist for it. The Lembur, the Lembur Kaka Miss Pooja thing, I mean, that for me, again, it was one of them things that I thought to myself, right, you know what, what can we do that's going to make this heavyweight? Okay, I've got, a good, good, I've got a good set of songs on there. I've got a good set of artists on there, but we need to make some noise. Yeah. Obviously, at that moment in time, those three were the biggest artists out there. Um, and I remember, I'm, I'm quite lucky that I already had the Lembur vocal from an old album that we had done with Ominous DJs. We recorded like 15 minutes of Bully of Lember and um, we had him on, I had that Bully on there. So I got the track written with Amrit Sub. And then the mission was obviously India, man, trying to find Miss Pooja. Was like, <laughs> at that moment in time, although she was in an out in a studio every single day. She was she was collaborating with everyone, wasn't she at that yeah, point? Yeah, but you know what it was? Her thing at that moment in time was she was booked in a studio every single day, but she was booked in just to record an album. Every single day, she'd be in recording an album with a different random singer. And, you know, us popping up from the UK, those times it was just about, okay, yeah. you know, 
but her, I mean, that was a mission. Even Kaka, Bachara, you know, at that moment in time, he was he was very, very unwell. Even I remember the video shoot, he looked really unwell even throughout the video. Yeah. And I was just like... So was it already recorded? With, how long from like from the video so till the him Lember actually recorded the vocal? From, uh, the Lemba vocal we had in 2004, we recorded that. we done an album with Ominous DJs. That was me, my brother and two other guys called Unfinished Business. I had a track on there called Panj Bindia, if you remember. So I already had the Lembert vocal. Um, I think it was around 2007 that me and Amrit Saab actually started writing the songs for my album, for my debut album. It came out in 2009. And 2008, I spent six weeks in India just recording for the album. So recording vocals, instruments, you know, whatever I needed. I kind of got the last couple of tracks that I needed written in a certain way, like sad songs. I actually went to India physically, got the singer and say, right, sit with me. And let's pick a topic and write these songs. So you know, you know, like just just going into that bit there, like obviously you're from a UK guy. Yep. Like there's always schools of thought, isn't it? Like a producer, whether they can play keys, whether they can yep. do instruments, or you're someone sorting out arrangement. Yeah. How how easy was it to kind of use your let's say UK music mindset to convince India artists or India musicians to do it in a particular kind of way? No, you know what, you know, because what I had done was I had a lot of the songs ready yeah. before I left. A lot of them. It was the last couple of tracks that I kind of needed that was going to be done from scratch. But that for that, I wanted the India sound. Yeah. You know, I had two sad songs on the album and those I knew from the start. I don't want to arrange anything. I want to go and sit in a studio and arrange everything from scratch there. Yeah. You know, and I think in a certain kind of way, they, they respected that a lot. You know, the fact that I didn't just rock up and say, the fact that I already knew what I wanted on each song. I went there prepared with the singers. I knew the songs I had. I had the music ready. You know, I had the arrangement already done and the, the way I wanted it sung already on there. Hmm. So it was easy. So I think in a way they kind of respected that because it wasn't a thing of just turn up and say, okay, how are we going to do this? You know, I already... I went there, I made sure I went there prepared because I didn't want them to look at me and just again say, oh, he's just one of them UK guys, you know, Jolo will take 500 rupees and we'll make his song for him. I'd never want, I never wanted that at all. Um, and that's something I always work towards because I worked a lot with Sunil on the first time. I got him to record percussion for practically every single song. So I learned a lot, a lot of him. I spent so much time with him. The guy's a genius. And um, yeah, he helped me a lot, man. But yeah, it was just about, it was, for, for me, it was about going there and gaining people's respect, man, and just not having that same thing of, oh my God, I'm under England. Yeah. Yeah. So just going back then, so you you, um, you were just going to answer when you recorded Kaka's actual mm -hmm. vocal then. So, so Kaka's that was... was recorded, Pooja's and Kaka's recorded about two weeks apart. Yeah. So Pooja's, I went to India, it took about a week to kind of get hold of her and get a studio that she could be in. Yeah. Went there, you know, obviously at those times you just paid the money and she's yeah. done the work and she yeah. left. You see what <laughs> I mean? Um, and Kaka, in fact, no, when I came back from India, um, one of my guys who used to record some vocals for me out there, Pranay Sharma, superstars, um, he'd done a lot of work with DJ H and stuff as well. Um, he recorded the Kaka vocal for me because he recorded my one and one of DJ H's at the same time. And that was the last thing left on there at that moment in time. And was he ill at that point or was he still okay uh, He was then? getting ill. About yeah. um, 
three, four months later, towards the end of, I think it was towards the end of 2008, I'm not quite sure. We went for the video shoot in Lily, and when he came there, he was really, really ill. He looked mm. really, really ill. Because I was done a last, video yeah. That day, he done a video for me, and the next day, done a video for DJ Gerbs. And um, he, at that moment in time, he looked really, really ill. Because I, I remember I was in India at the time when he passed away. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, like he was one of my favorite singers at the time. He was amazing. He and was then amazing, I was like, yeah. I, you know, like him, he would have been, I mean, he still is, but you could just imagine the kind of level, the level of what, that he could have gone, yeah, gone yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Considering it, how long he'd been singing for and how many songs before he even blew up were actually out there that were bangers. Mm. You know, there was so much out there of his already. And that guy was, he should have, you know, God bless his soul. He should have been on He should, He would have hit different levels. Honestly, yeah. he was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred percent. So like you were talking about Ominous DJ. So um, you joined them when you were about 13 with your brother. Yeah, that, right? that was me and my, that was me and my brother and two other guys. Yeah, so my yeah. brother, I mean, the reason why I started DJing was my brother, a wreck from Ominous DJs. Um, he was DJing when I was in like primary school. You know, and I'd just, you know, go and mess around with his records and he'd try and lock them away from me. You know, it kind of <laughs> just started like that. And then I think, yeah, about 13, he's, he said, all right, you want to do this? All right, cool. Like, I'll put you in the room for two days. You practice. Literally for two days, left me in the room. And then he was like, look, man, you know, you want to get out there and do gigs? Cool. I'll send you to gigs. And it literally just started from there. Um, then we, were, we worked on an initial album because my uncle's come out from Hira. Right, okay. And he had a studio with Sunil uh, on South of Broadway, behind South of, South of Broadway, uh, um, behind a shop called Saba Music. This was years ago. And um, he was like, look, you know, you guys have been DJing a long time. Why don't you guys come in and work on an album? And we were like, look, man, we don't have a clue. At that moment in time, we like, we don't have a clue. They said, no, come and sit with Sunil. You learn from him at the same time. And you guys can kind of put your ideas across. Yeah. Um, and work on an album. We're like, all right, cool. So um, I worked on an album called Best Kept Secret. Um, that came out on Metro Music. And so how then, old are you then? How old are you then? I was, sir, I'd say 17, 16, 17. So you've been like formally in the no. air, in the sea for about four years, let's say, officially yeah, 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 from yeah, your yeah. brother Just, saying, yeah, come DJing, on. Yeah, DJing, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, my brother had been in there for a lot longer. So yeah, we started working on that. And that was all pure unknown singers. Like we'd probably never seen the singers, never heard from the singers ever. You know, they just had a whole load of vocals and there was yeah. like the songs that you like. And we were like, all right, cool. What kind of vibes? And it was a kind of thing at that moment in time where we were like, you know, going through like, okay, what would we play when we're DJing? You know, okay, we'd need a track, which is sounds like Foxy Brown, you know, <laughs> get me home. You just see what I mean? Like it was that kind of, that's all we kind of knew. Um, we kind of, we, we learned, we were watching Sunil learning and then we'd done the album. It actually done, you know, it done well for us. You know, we started doing a lot more clubs. I was still not old enough to get into the clubs, but you know, <laughs> I'd get in and do the, the yeah, first club. I'd, the first club I'd actually when I was, was when I was 15 years old for a guy called Mo from Fat Nights in London. Well, Fat Nights now, he used to be called the Funky Bunch then. Um, and the first Central London club I done, I remember, was a Halloween at a place called Heaven. Uh, and I was probably 16 then. You got the Dips Bamber. Dips Bamber is like one of the OGs of getting into... Uh, I started the rumour about how he got snuck into a gig in a dawn, in a dawn <laughs> case. In that. 
and it weren't actually true, but I think that's what we're. Um, that's what, yeah, yeah, that's what we're sticking with with the dome, and I'm gonna I'm gonna carry on with that story. So we done that, and then um, we thought, right, okay, you know what? We need to start working with some better singers, like with some singers that we might actually meet one day, or yeah, that we can actually yeah. record. You know, yeah, that we can yeah. actually record. Um, and what had happened was at that moment in time, we were me and my brother were doing a bit of promoting. So what I'd done was when I when I left school at 16, we'd done an end of year prom, you know, with all the schools locally. And I remember I booked um, Zeus and Ragged for that. So I kind of, over the next couple of years, I built a good relationship with Zeus because I was giving him a lot of shows. Um, and I kind of said to, uh, I said to him, look, we want to, like, we've done this album. We want to do another album, but like, you know, we want to kind of mix it up. You know, what should we do? And uh, that was the moment in time that he had just recorded Lember. Uh, under the so he's like, okay, yeah, yeah. He's like, look, uh, come down to. He was recording at Cam's at that moment in time at Frantic, so he's like, look, come down to Cam's. Maybe you guys can speak to him, and he can help you guys as well. You know, maybe he can teach you guys, you know, logic because at that moment in time, um, Sunil was using Cubase. And he's like, look, you know, I use logic. You know, if you ever need help, then I can just help you out as well. I said, cool. So we went to Cam's. I remember one day, Lembert was there. And literally, it was like we'd just met him, and I'd say probably twenty-five minutes later, he'd recorded four songs for us. And, li- and I take. mean, when I mean even Lembert, man, he is—he's an animal in the studio. Like you know, it was one take done, and I was like, and then he was like, right, we were like, we don't even know. We we didn't even come to record you. We thought we were just coming to see you. Mm. Um, and he was like, um, what do you want to do? And we were like, shall we do some Bodleian? He's like, okay, cool. We spent like 20 minutes trying to go through old AS Kang, old, old suffrage, you know, just trying yeah. to think, okay, what's the best hook lines we know? Um, so, yeah, so we ended up doing four tracks on that album with Lember. We done one with Daljeet Mattu. Uh, we got, an, I remember that at that moment in time that we'd gone to India before, um, we got a Kuldeep Manik vocal off um, Speed Records. So we had that on the album and yeah, it was just fun, man. Like those days we didn't really know too much about what we were doing. We just knew that we were DJs and this is what's working right now. This is what will work if we put it down on the album. Cause that was the kind of formula back, uh, I'll say back then around the 2000, 2007. Yeah. Take hip hop yeah. track and just try and see. Yeah. yeah. And then get, um, and, and have a, the uh, dance floor banger that you know that will help with bookings it will help with all these kind of things so everything has exactly. to be kind of wedding wedding format kind of yeah 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 style yeah i mean that, that was in uh, 2004 the album came out and then that's it the late the, obviously after that touring was was very very busy you know we've done a lot of clubs and then around 2006 2007 i started working on my solo album and that took a couple of years like you know to get it right because again everything i was doing from scratch i mean as I said, I recorded Sunil's percussion on every single song. Mm. That took a couple of years. 2009, that came out. And since then, it's just been go, go, go. <laughs> it just hasn't stopped, <laughs> man. <laughs> I've taken a bit of a break the last few years, but yeah, yeah it's just so, been crazy. So at the time, like you, you're you're a young guy at, at, at that point, you, you're you getting your bookings and everything else is going. How are you kind of coping with, you know, a rate that you're getting a lot of money? The mm-hmm. money money starts coming in with your bookings yeah. and stuff. How are you balancing your your creative side in terms of building all this and your business professional side in terms of putting on the shows? No, I mean at that moment in time, 
I was still very young. You got to remember, I was still, you know, when, when um, two thousand and nine, when the album came out, I was still only twenty twenty three years old. You know, I was, I was still only twenty three years old. So I was still young. It was just, you know, I'd never been to uni, but it was just, you know, for me, it was like every night at that moment in time was a party. I'd still make it to every single one of my gigs, but I was just like in that mode of, you know. Let's just go out and enjoy ourselves. You know, I was with a group of good friends of mine who, you know, we just used to go at that moment in time and just literally party, man. It was, it was, it, now looking back on it, you kind of think, oh man, I wish I'd done more. But, you know, I was still doing my bookings and the bookings are still coming in every single weekend. And during the week, it was just like, what do I do? I'm not doing nothing with myself. You know, I was, I, I'd have my set days where I was making music. It'd be Tuesday night and Thursday night. I'd, I'd pre, I'd have my pre-arrangements done at home in the afternoon on a Tuesday for Tuesday and Thursday and seven o'clock in the evening till 7am. I'd be in a studio in Acton every Tuesday and Thursday night. That was from 2008 to 2014, every Tuesday and Thursday. That was the routine. So you still Uh, must have a lot of that content still, still. Oh, mate, I've got, I could probably send you or play you 50 songs right now that are just not out. And I'm talking like with, with good artists, but it's just I feel like now everything's changed so much that sometimes if you put content out, it might harm you more than do you any good. Why, why, do, you, why do you think that? Because I just feel like some of it's dated. Lyrically, you know, you've seen how you, I mean, you know, you see yourself how far music's gone now and how far it's changed. You know, eventually it'll come back around, don't get me wrong. Um, I yeah. always feel like music always works in circles. And I believe that that sound, that UK sound, the original UK sound will come back. But right now, it's just, it's it's too different, you know. And people don't, people don't accept it. And it's just, you know what it is? I put so much time and effort into it. I don't want to do that, put a track out in two days, it's forgotten. But that is, but it's only going to get shorter that way. If you, if you, if you, I'm trying to say this kind of navigate this round kind of politically correct. No, no, what I mean is it's like you see big artists, they're putting out a lot of time, they're putting out a lot of content, a lot of expense. Yeah. And and what starts to piss me off is that the punter, the consumer, doesn't appreciate in terms of the story of what an album's supposed to be. Because I also believe. Yeah, an album. Uh, the, this... An album is supposed to navigate through story rather than be kind of like, I don't know, 15, 20, well, I don't know, 10 singles. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, just, just to batch together. I, 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 like, True School said it on an interview recently where they were talking about the, got an order, I think it was with AJD hmm. on Asian Network. And they were saying that obviously they put that initial single out first and that was meant to be from the album and then they were going to drop it slowly. And, you know, he's kind of said to cut a no look. When you put the album out, you've got to just put the album out. You know, you can't do this, you know, 25 singles on, you know, every three days because it's ridiculous. You know, an album, when somebody says I'm putting an album out, it's meant to be heard as an album. You know, you're meant to feel every single song and, you know, go through all the different emotions that an album's meant to give you. You know, I actually, it's funny with the, with the, with the, uh, and the True School's album. 
I actually put aside some time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, I, I didn't, you know. It's one that I, you know what it is for, for myself. I think there's certain artists who you'd always put that time aside for to listen yeah, to an album yeah. because you know that there's going to be some sort of thought process gone into it. You know, yeah. if it, you know it's going to be an actual album. But, but it's just style of music, and it? It's because that that suits my style of music. I, I love that style of music. Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. I, I was, like, driving. I didn't, like, I was not, my, my missus and my kids had COVID and all this kind of stuff. So I was, like, really busy in like that stuff. Yeah. And then... We were traveling to um, Legoland, and I actually had the. I had the. Uh, you, had that, that, you had that. You had, had the time. The kids asleep. Mrs. Sleep. All right. Okay. I put it, and I heard it from straight thingy. Yeah. And then what it was is like I kind of like reflect back, and then I was like, you know, exactly that exactly. And sometimes, right, if I looking back on some of the other albums or other songs, uh, like. I would kind of like just let it go and then sleep and then revisit them. Yeah. I, I also have to, I have this kind of weird thing is the environment where I'm listening to. Of course. If, I, if I'm not, if I'm having it on in the background, I use my kids as a litmus test now. If they, yeah. uh, if my kids, are, especially my son, if he's head bopping or he's doing that, stuff, I thought, yeah, he's got something there. But the, like another song that just completely threw me out mm. is like a insane, you know, AP. Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. I just can't understand how people were dancing that to a wedding. And I was like, realized at this point, I was like, I like, I'm out of the game now. I'm out of the music game. All this <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I, I genuinely, I'm, I'm like, I can't work it out. It's just, it, everything is telling me that that's like a song that you listen to in the car. Yeah. And then so you play, it's been played at a wedding. And I swear to God, like, people are going crazy. And I, I can't work it out. There's no logic, is there? So that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, when you're saying you got 50 songs, at least then I can actually kind of, in my, it, it, you know, I might be a, a few one of that generation where I could kind of relate to it and go, I, I understand. I could work that. I could deal with that. I can, I can, I understand it. You know what it is? I think my, I think me, myself, mentally, I'm in a different space with music right now. Yeah. Please. Well, that's fair. That's fair. You see what I mean? Where I don't, I don't I'll be straight with you. I don't listen to much Bhangra anymore. I, like, mm. to me, it's just... It got to a point where it's just the same thing over and over and over again. Like, during lockdown, I didn't... I didn't even... I, if you if you said to me, this song from this... I wouldn't even know who the artist is or who the songs are. Like, it got to that stage because it was just like... And I don't mean to sound in a bad... Like, Sidhu's album... I don't even know if it's still not fully out yet or if what track it's at, because I just like, that's not what I listen to. And it's not, it doesn't make sense to me to release a song every two days. Like it's just, and and it kind of, you're killing yourself in the market. But isn't that, but isn't that then from another angle to say that because it hasn't been done before, it's never been tested. They only try new things for it to, to, to learn out. I'm not saying it's the right thing or the wrong thing. I got into that bit where I was like, I would, I couldn't keep up with the with the track, but the only reason the only There's reason no right knew, or wrong way to oh, be. The, the only reason why I knew there was a new song because it used to be added to my car, you know the oh, playlist. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I didn't, you know, as I'm like driving. As I said, look, I, I honestly for a long time. I mean, I'm, I, I'm like you now. Like I stop listening to like yeah, I, I yeah. don't listen to a lot of bangra. Like I'll know if I hear a song and I know it's a big track. Or make in my mind, I think, okay, that's a big try. Like, you but see what I mean? That, but isn't that a warning sign, though? It's like, let's say we, let's say we're Pongra heads, for example. I started right? listening to more house, and honestly, I just yeah. like the music. But I, you know what it is? 
it's just more creative. Don't get me wrong. What, like, for example, what Intense is doing right now, it's out of the box and some people would think it's weird. But to me, at least he's trying something different. You know, you get so sick and tired of that same Ronnie loop in every single song. Do you see what I mean? And it's just, they don't even do anything to kind of change it or, or, or do anything else with it. You know, a, a lot, lot of the, a lot of the new songs though now, um, maybe because that's where I don't like to kind of identify. It's like there's no there's no Indian uh, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Uh, instrument that's used. The, it's that, just completely. That's the, whole, that's the whole other aspect, isn't it, of just like pure hip hop. It's mm. just like pure hip hop with a Punjabi vocal. But mm. again, with that kind of stuff, we can't really do much with it because you can't really use too much of that at a wedding. Mm. You know. I don't know, man. I just felt very old in the last sort of like two, three years. Where oh, I said it before, I was like, I can't. I love it. I love like different styles and stuff. But I think I just know what I like. You know, like I, I just get you just get kind it's of comfortable. Be, you know what it is? You listen. You you know you know what you'd go to a party and you'd want to hear. Yeah. You know that's what it, you know. You know that okay. This is something I'd listen to. This is what I'd want to listen to. But I don't know, man. I can't keep up. I just can't keep up with. The, Manny Sandy, Manny Sandy's got. I interviewed Manny Sandy. Uh, he's got not too long, and, and he and he was turning around saying he got um, almost similar to you. Basically, he's got a back catalogue of like bad boy songs with classic singing. And he goes, "I'm just trying to find out the right time. Maybe towards the end of my career, that's when I'm going to kind of release these an album." Yeah, of course. Like I've got, I you know, don't get me wrong. Every few months, I just sit there and think to myself, you know what? Just put out a ten track album. Just do it. Like, do you see what I mean? Like, I know the good the songs I've got there. And then it's just like... Uh, <laughs> do you see what I mean? Like, honestly, I kind of have this battle in my mind going back and forth. And but things. do you think... All right, here, here, here it is blatant. Then, yeah. Do you think people give a shit whether you've... Um, how old the song is? Because I always believe if the song's good, it's good. No, yeah. Don't, yeah. And I so, like, if you can... If you can... I'm, it's because I'm so in that headspace. But in it, that different headspace. But then is that is that your own ego to saying I don't want to tarnish it? Because you can look at a lot of producers. No, because I don't believe I, I to be honest, I don't believe that I've got that much of a big reputation. No, no, my, I don't my, see myself like that. No, no, my, my my aim of this conversation is trying to get you to release it. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that, yeah, so that, that, that's where I'm coming from. I'll, listen, listen, listen. I'll send you 30, <laughs> and you you see how hard it is to try and pick 10 out of them and say, okay, we'll do an album. No, but that's what, what I'm saying. No, is, I'm, I'm not that, even joking. I'll send you a screenshot of my iTunes library, yeah? Yeah. And it's got an, it's got playlist of Dip's album 2017, Dip's album 2018, Dip's album 2019, Dip's album 2021 updated, where it's just that like, I keep chopping and changing. And I'm mm. the thing is because I right now I want I want to try and push myself in another direction. Sure. It's very difficult to then just keep going back to the Punjabi and keep constantly think because you almost feel like, okay, yeah, I should do that stuff because it, yeah, it's kept me going this long but I want to try something new. And if I try something new, you know, they'll probably hate me for it. But if I keep doing the Punjabi stuff, I'll never really be able to try and see where I can take the other stuff. Do you think there's any other kind of music out there which has this kind of battle? It's like Punjabi music and Bhangra music has this constant battle of trying to... Like, you speak to an artist or, or you speak to anyone kind of involved in this area... They've always, you always kind of feel they've got this ideological battle of 
either carrying on what they're doing or breaking into mainstream or being comfortable in their niche market or they, you know, and like, as we're getting kind of older and older, you know, some markets are dwindling and some are opening up yeah. a little bit more. Do you think then, I don't know, I don't know how, what I'm trying to say, to be honest, in terms of where do you think that battle's going to end up going? Do you think more people will start kind of leaving the, the music behind and inadvertently no, ending up in there? You gotta remember, there's there's always a new generation, and there's there's loads of producers out there now, that younger producers who are just like, who are so hungry for it, you know. But again, they're taking it, it like we haven't got a young producer who wants to do UK desi music, you know. Actually, well, we got G Funk. G Funk's a good example. You know what I mean? Like he wants to do traditional UK music, and he's you know he's carried himself a long way already. But generally, a lot of the young producers, they just want to do hip-hop, trap, you know. That's what they want to do. That, and, and because it's what they're hearing out there right now is that everybody's just on that vibe, that's all they'll keep pushing towards. You know, we need a few more younger producers who are going to sit there and go back to what we were doing. You know, yeah. I just for me, I just want to experiment a bit and just, even if it doesn't do anything, for myself, at least I know I've tried it. You know, we started, said at the start of the conversation, you know, you should be in a situation right now where you're kind of not holding back. If you want to do something, go ahead and do it. And that's where I'm at right now. I know I've got this stuff there. Yeah, it's the insurance. When, when, I'm, when I'm in the right space to release it, yeah, of course I'll release it. You know, Dopen is no good and it's sitting on my hard drive. You know, no one's going to hear it there. But I believe right now I'm in a complete different space. You've you earned the, the right to have the space to kind of experiment. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I'm always going to be a Bhangra DJ. You know, that's what I am. That's been my bread and butter my whole life. But it's always good to try and venture and just try and do some stuff that you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I th I, th I think so in terms of like having that, the space to kind of experiment. Um, yeah. I think a lot more people, I think, I think a lot of people are, I mean, this podcast itself came out through kind of experimentation yeah, yeah, of course, itself. Yeah. So like, yeah, I think you, I think you're probably, well, think, you know, stuff like this will only help people. It will only it will only help people more and more, you know. What do you mean? What do you mean? I think I think I think it will help. Look, for example, look, you've had me on here, you've had Manny on here. You know, for them to hear what what it took for us to kind of get to where we are, or what we had to do, or where we've come from. You know, I just hope it inspires more people to come forward and say, you know, what, actually, yeah, man, you know what? I can because I was never taught. Mm. I was never taught anything. I sat around people and I watched, and then YouTube taught me everything. Even up until today, I will go on YouTube and write, you know what? May create a drop like DJ Snake. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And from there, I'll watch 10 different tutorials and pick up, okay, okay, I can do some of that, I can do some of that. I can use this plugin, use that, use that. And that's the way that, you know, people come to me even with DJ, like, oh, can you teach us how to DJ? I said, your best bet on learning how to DJ is go with someone. Just watch, watch and learn. Only way you're ever going to learn. You know, you can't, this, this kind of stuff can't be taught in a classroom because you don't have the first-hand experience. You know, you want to see what, what a DJ would do in a room full of, I don't know, 60 English people. You know, when you're on the road with a DJ and you see them play in front of different crowds, that's when you automatically pick up, okay, this is how, this is how he plays, this is his style, this is what I can do, this is what I can get away with, this is what I can't. Hmm. So you like you know get away with what what you can't and like knowing your audience and stuff like that. I'm gonna move it on slightly now. That you were kind of 
the first wave that I if, I look any kind of a historian DJ historian I apologize now but <laughs> from the first wave of like big collectives from kind of London yeah Kuda yeah Calibar all these yep. guys and that coming through um and kind of changing the scene for for everyone yeah, yeah. really yeah how, how did you kind of um you know th- that was a new thing in terms of coming together as like collectives and road shows yeah yeah how were you kind of incorporating some of your you know st- standing out really were you doing your doing your songs as well at the same time yeah, yeah. Then... i mean at that moment in time obviously um at that moment in time obviously i was working closely with gary um I was just where at that moment in time it was full time. As I said, I was in the tu- I was in the studio every Tuesday and Thursday, man. It was it was it was a lot. Like I wish I had slowed down then a little bit because I probably still have a bit more in the tank, like for the last couple of years. But um, at that moment in time, it was just you know for me, it's never been a competition with anybody. It never mm. will. You know, at the end of the day, I believe there's so much work out there for everybody. You know, everyone should be busy. It's just about how you, what you do to push yourself. You know, I was constantly doing music. I was constantly making sure, you know, people might not think being in clubs is, is a big thing, but it is, you know, because these students are the ones that are going to go and get married in three, four years' time. You know, for so for that side of things, I just, you know, keeping yourself out there is the most important thing. And that's all I've done. I just kept making sure that I was releasing music. And, you know, I set myself a bar of, okay, I want to work with this artist. You know, it might take a little bit of time. I want to work with this artist. I want to work with this artist. And slowly but surely, you know, it's ended up happening. I just think people don't push themselves enough, you know, especially in, when it comes to weddings, the only way to kind of get people's attention is nowadays is socials. You know, keep yourself busy on socials. Again, during lockdown, what did I do? I kept pushing myself to do lives, you know. I was doing lives for no reason, but I just done them because, you know what, at least you're still in people's eyes. It's content. Yes, 100%. And it's just, you know, the other thing was you're keeping yourself entertained and keeping yourself from sitting at home and just, you know, doing nothing. And you're keeping people entertained who are sitting at home who might be, you know, have nothing to do going through stuff. At least for them few hours, you've got their mind of something. Hmm. So you it's know, almost and, like a responsibility then, yeah, isn't it? No, and even for myself, bro, you know, I had been through a lot of that kind of stuff. And for myself, it was always like, okay, boys, what are we doing now? Let's just... What's the next project? How are we doing this? How are we doing the next live? Let's just make it huge. Let's set this up. Because I knew it, that would eat so much into my time that I wouldn't have a chance to kind of just sit around doing nothing. You know, we'd spend weeks planning on how to do the live. Then we'd spend a week on setting it up. Then we'd spend a week on, set, you know, making sure we got all the right cameras. You know, we'd spend so much time trying to do it all that for myself, it was a real big distraction. and It was brilliant because I wasn't mm. just stuck at home doing nothing yeah yeah no i i definitely saw that you 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 see a lot of i think it was a lot of time where creatives came out of the shell really and trying to like use that kind of thing i mean like you've been you said it a few times um during this uh during the podcast around about you know you were you're revving yourself up really you were like really going 100 100 miles per hour so like what when did you start realizing that there were consequences in terms of like this kind of behavior or, or the way that your life was going so fast paced? You know what it was? It was, I think I just hit rock bottom at a certain point. I just hit rock bottom. Like, I was, I was drinking every day, like, like ridiculously. And you know, because of the, because of the shows, or no, it was a lot of st- like. I had a lot of personal stuff happen. I'd got myself into financial debt. 
And off the back of that, I'd, I'd gone through a divorce, yeah, mm. which was the start of the kind of downward spiral. And basically what happened was um, it just it all got too much, man. It literally all got too much to the point where, you know, I didn't want to leave my house. You know, you know, you drink a lot, you start getting paranoid, you know, and it was just a stage of I was just honestly, I was drinking all the time. I didn't want to go to shows. Like I didn't I there was there was a year and a half where I missed a whole load of shows. And that what happened from there was, you know, and I'm not blaming again, I'm not blaming anybody, but you know, it just all got on top for me, man. Like I ended up everything went on socials, you know, I was getting cast out on socials every single week and it was just like I didn't even want to look at it. I didn't even want to get out of bed. You know. I remember I deactivated my Insta for a little while. Um, then I put it back on and then I missed one gig in particular. I remember the date, 25th of August. And um, that I think that day was kind of rock bottom, man, because I remember I missed that show and straight away that night it all started. You know, it literally, while the show was going on, it literally started everywhere, man. It's just... So, so just, just going to... Um... You you mentioned you you mentioned the divorce and stuff, but you you're unpresumably you're drinking already at that point. No, 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 no. Or you after? Afterwards, afterwards, yeah. The, for the cult, and then that was that was spiraling on in terms of like how you were managing your your personal life and your social everything, life. Everything, everything, every as I said, everything just literally. I'm talking literally just went. You know, it just got to a point where. I don't think I could manage my own life, regardless of that moment in time. I couldn't manage my own life, you know. And like I said, I was just making, you know, we were saying earlier, you just make mad decisions. You know, you just make really, really, really stupid decisions that you, at the moment in time, you feel to yourself, uh, no, 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 like I'm doing the right thing. You know, like I said, I wasn't turning up to people's weddings, bro. And it was, you know. That is big. And, you know, that is. That's big. No, yeah, of course, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, that is my bread and butter. But on the other hand, I feel like it almost would have been more embarrassing if I had turned up. Okay. Because of the, you know, because of the way I was, you know, it kind of wouldn't, you know, people probably don't wouldn't know that, but it probably would have been worse if I had turned up because, you know, I would have just probably been in a state you know it wasn't a point it wasn't a point that i was drinking that oh my god i was drunk 24 hours a day you know where i was you know falling around and it wasn't like that it was just every evening i was just every evening i was just drinking you know and your mental like, health it was having the knock yeah you, of course, you touched right? you, you touched yeah, you yeah, touched yeah. you said like your mental health kind of thing was that then it was, uh, yeah, because there was a few times where I thought to myself, no, nah, I don't even want to be here anymore. And that, that rock bottom for me was like, you know, seeing, like me saying that stuff and my mum, seeing the look on my mum's face was just like, that was it. I was like, you know what, like, I need to do something. Like, And then obviously we stopped the, I stopped the drinking. Fast forward about six months, seven months or whatever, and COVID kind of started to kick in. 
And I thought to myself then, right, you know what? The lockdown's kicked in. I need to do something with myself because I don't want to go back to being that person, you know, being sitting, sitting, thinking the whole day about what's happened or whatever. Like I need to take control of my life, you know? And I think that's the moment in time sitting there and sitting around my family and seeing them the way I was just kind of was, was the kick up the arse that I needed, man, because I needed to, you know, I needed to kind of, I needed something to wake me up because otherwise I would have just been another statistic. Oh my God. Okay. Passed away. What is it? Alcohol poisoning or do this or his liver's failed. You see what I'm saying? Like, I would, that's what you end up being a statistic. Mm. It's nothing more than that. You know, like, uh... You've throughout the podcast again. You've been talking about having a. You've got a wide social network, and you had people around you. Like, was there any red flags that they were that they kind of signaled to you to say, like, this is what dips you need to sort yourself out? Of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, I sat around a lot of them myself. I mean, you know, you know, Prash really well. I mean, he's mm. sat with me through the through everything. I mean, I used to sit with him and say, Prash, like, what more? And he's Say to me, listen, mate. From like, Desi Beats, guys, just yeah, in case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and again, with him as well, man, like, I th- he was at the stages, he was like, Dips, like, come on, man, what are you doing to yourself? You need to, you know. And again, that's when he started kind of saying, right, I want to put you back on shows. You're going to come and do shows. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're, like, you're coming out with me here. Just come and chill. You know, get out of the house, innit? Because mm. I think a lot of it was just, you know, when you're so used to living independently on your own, and then you're suddenly back at your parents house although it's a blessing you know it can always be the other end of things where you're sitting there thinking oh my god i'm back here do you see what i mean you almost you know as much as they don't say anything or they're never going to say anything for yourself within yourself you feel like i've gone back 10 years you know and i think that's what plays a big part that plays a big part but again with the social circle bro i just feel like you have a big social circle, but then you actually realise what your social circle is when, when shit hits the fan. Mm. You know, and I think that, for me, that happened a lot. Like now, I would say that social circle that I had 10, 15 years ago I was partying with is probably down to like none of them people. Do you see what I mean? And I've probably got like five, six, seven solid people around me who I just, I keep in touch with on a daily basis. I speak to them on a daily basis and not in a rude way anybody else i'm just not interested anymore man mm. you know you're the people that helped me through everything that i was going through are the people that i'm gonna i'm gonna back for the rest of my life do you see what i mean the people that kind of walked away and left me to it i've got nothing left to say to them mm. and do you feel you you find yourself on a journey in terms of um trying to right the wrongs or do you actively go out to right the wrongs or you have to yes yeah yeah 100 yeah. percent. you have to you have to. That's you'll never be peaceful within yourself unless you make things right. You know, and I've reached out to a lot of these people whose functions I'd missed and you know all this kind of stuff. I reached out to a lot of them and said, Look, man, like I really like I want to have a conversation with you about it. Because like I said, for a long time, when you're in that situation, hiding away from things is the easiest thing to do. But being able to just have an open conversation about it. At least it shows some sort of sincerity. Do you see what I mean? It's not just a thing of, oh, well, he feels like he's got away with it now. That's it. You know, I've, I've, I've tried to speak to a lot of these people and say, look, you know, this is what was going on. 
and I'm and I never ever try and shy away from it. That's one thing I'll never do. You know, what's happened to me? Maybe, hopefully, I pray that it can help somebody else. You know, who might be in a similar situation. That you know, talking about it or just being open about it is probably the best way to deal with things rather than just keeping it to yourself and hiding. Yeah, I have. Like my background is I've worked in like substance misuse uh, yeah, addictions yeah, yeah. and all that. And I always, you know, I do say um, sometimes I'm quite vocal in terms of saying, you know, this is the dark side of the kind of music scene. There, are, yeah. I don't think there's an artist that I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, who's who's had a real battle with addiction publicly and then come back and, and openly admitted it and then come back and been that kind of bastion of light. And I know personally, and I've helped a lot of them. And I said, I go, look, you, by even if you came out a little bit, it would help so many people, especially around not just the kind of traditional substance misuse, like drugs and alcohol. The gambling side of stuff is a, is a huge, huge side. The, the vast amount of money being involved. Look, there was a big stigma attached that, oh, my God, this guy gambles a lot. And people tried to attached that to my name and that was never the case that was never ever the case like i know a whole load of people and i actually know the people who actually went and put that stuff out there you know don't get me wrong i've you know and then obviously you've probably seen the memes that came up on my instagram you know where i took a picture of golden temple and somebody tried to kind of put a meme up behind that of me standing there at, at a casino table and i was just like what is wrong with you people man like mm -hmm. come on get a life with that bro it's just you know I don't even know what to say to you about that because that was never ever a thing. Like, with regards to the financial issues, I know the I know the reasons behind that, and the people around me, everybody around me knows the reasons behind that, and that's something that doesn't really need to be put out there. Mm. But with with regards to everything else, I've always been open about it, yeah. always from day one. You know, if somebody asks a question, I'll tell them the truth. You know, there's no need. Like I said, I'm still sitting here, you know, sorry, I've <laughs> got my keyboard. I'm still sitting here, you know, and I just want to now try and see if there's any way that I can try and help other people who are in the situation. You know, people, everybody's going through something and I just feel like being open and talking about it is the best way to try and help anybody. What What do you think help looks like? Because... I have this real, I have this real frustration with help at the moment within um, the, our community. That there's all this money going into these chari chari various charities. There's all nothing these kind of things happening. Yeah, nothing ever comes out of them. And it, and it, you know, it, there's this. I've had. To, this is again. I've had to help uh, a number of friends of mine or or family of other uh, people uh, through through lockdown of getting into treatment. Yeah. And some of the basic things that I've kind of needed. Um, just is, is not there if you had to kind of um, lay out what help looked like and what would have helped you what what would that be for myself I think I was just going through a process like I, I, I honestly believe I needed to go through that because if I hadn't gone through it then and I'd just gone on and pretended like everything was okay at a moment in my life where I'm probably at a better stage, it probably would have come back mm. and it would have stuck in my the back of my mind and come back at a different point in my life. For myself right now, I think help is just listening and seeing what... Like, you can't physically help somebody who doesn't want to be helped, but you can always open that door to try and talk to them. 
you know, especially if they know that you've been in a similar situation. You know, you can never tell anybody what to do, regardless of how much you've been through yourself, because until they want to help themselves, mm. there's not much you can really do to help them. But if you're there when you need them, just to talk, talking takes us so much away. You know, talking, like I said, if if at that moment in time I hadn't been through what I'd been through, I wouldn't be where I'm at now, bro. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. so happy in life. Do you see what I mean? I've got nothing, you know, don't get me wrong. I've still got regrets, but, you know, those regrets will stick stick with me because I've got a conscience about what happened. You know, I've got, you know, I feel bad about what happened with everybody. Do you see what I mean? It's not just, you're not one person, you know, there's, there's a lot of people and it's not, it's not a small thing that happened, but I'm in a completely different mind frame now. You know, I'm happy in life. I'm engaged. I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get married in the next year, the year after. Musically, I'm doing what I want to be doing. You know, although people might not see it, but when it comes out, they'll, they'll understand that I was just doing what I'm doing. Mm. And again, my social circle and my kind of, my inner circle is what I want it to be now. It's not no more of the, you know, the people that I just don't, the, the crap has completely been cut out of my life. And I'm so much happier. And that, it, that's just a maturity thing as well, isn't it? Instead, yeah, of knowing yeah, yeah. Not, not, instead of knowing what you want, you know what you don't want. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. 100%. You know what? Just taking the toxic out of your life will change your life so much. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. Mm. You know, they don't they don't have to be somebody swearing and shouting at you to be toxic in your life. You know, you know, you, you know that as much as I do. Do you see what I'm yeah. saying? Sometimes sometimes the closest people to you are the ones that want to see you do the worst. You know, because you're their gossip tomorrow. Do you see what I mean? It's the problem with people, man. They just, it, you know, they live off gossip. They want to talk about people. They don't care who it is. So in terms of like the, your, your, your career at this point, I mean, like you, you've had the highs of being like British Asia. You're yeah. you know, my best DJ. Did you have the single as well? You had something. We else. won. We won. Uh, no, we won best single at the PTC Punjabi Awards. Oh, yeah. Best duet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like in terms of like, <clears throat> you've got tried and tested formulas. You've worked with Gary Roach. Yeah. Uh, you had Rob's Buddha Kaka, you had uh, Saber Koti as well, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, have, you know, you've gone through all what, what's the kind of next stages that you're going to be looking at in, the, in your from your from your music side? I think, I think it's quite clear personally, you've kind of you've gone through a journey and you're moving on, on to yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I mean, look, don't get me wrong, I've produced some some Indian stuff that's going to come out, but it's not really this, you know, yeah. kind of, I've kept it what I want, you know, I'm not made it's not a thing of, I thought, oh my god, I need to make a a, a desi track just so I can get bookings from it. I'm I'm gone completely past that stage in my career yeah. now. You know, I'm almost at the stage where I'm a veteran in this in this industry now. <laughs> no, but it's true though. You know, it's not. It, you know, I've been doing this 20 years now. People don't realize that. You know, 20 years and my album, my first album came out 2000. Well, the first initial album came out in like 2001 or something like that. You know, my first solo album came out 2009 still a long time you know so i see myself as a veteran but there is some stuff that's going to come out Adrian. you know um but majority of the stuff that i'm doing now is just what i want man i'm working on some house and i've just fallen in love with that genre of music man and it's just kind of it's taken me on that journey i mean you've probably seen you know i keep uploading house remixes of this Mm. and that and the other and it's just trying to 
it's trying to show the Indians that there is a side that we can kind of merge two together, yeah. which they haven't. You know, apart from India, obviously in India, you know that's big, but here I don't think they actually understand it yet. So I'll just keep working towards that, man. Like I said, I'm just I'm here. I'm in a good place, and I just want to have fun now. Cool, cool. Dips, this is uh, this is called a bandwagon. So this is um, this is an opportunity to kind of either jump on a bandwagon okay. or or jump off a bandwagon or kind of raise anything that you want to discuss that hasn't been missed that I've haven't haven't featured yet. Okay. So oh. this is your space. Just trying to think what we can talk. About. <laughs> <laughs> We've been through a lot. Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, sometimes you, like with, the, with the conversations, it just flows, in it. You know what I mean? Look, like I said, I wanted I wanted it to be open. You know, at the end of the day, I don't want anybody listening to this to turn around and say, "Oh my God, he tried to avoid that." You know, I didn't. I never wanted that. You know, I want it to be as real as it can get, and I don't really care what people make of it. You know, some people are probably going to jump on it right in the comments and try and cuss me and say, "Ah, this this." Dips, don't get too excited. There's not that much YouTube views I get anyway. So it's, just, it's more kind of Spotify where they can't write anything. So it's cool. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> you, someone will still share it and write a comment somewhere. But like I said, you know what? It doesn't bother me, man. I'm I'm just happy that I can do this. And like I said, that hopefully this might help someone, man. You know, do you see what I mean? Like somebody getting bullied somewhere or going through things or, you know, you know, who's just not liked or whatever. Like, you know, at the end of the day, man, listen, keep your head up and just keep going, man. You know, there's always good things around the corner. But with regards to anything else to talk about, I'm just trying to think, man, what we can talk about. You can go from anything, anything, football, film, anything. It's whatever you wanted to discuss. Talk about Man United, but it's just very... <laughs> send us back it's down pain, that different road. painful, man. <laughs> You know yeah. what fucking pisses me? Here we go. You know what, it if pisses me. You know, what it's like if it's a midday kickoff, yeah. It it's got the one thing that just ruins the whole of your weekend if you don't get the result. And honestly, I see. And we never do. Yeah. On I a just, Saturday afternoon, we actually never do. After a Champions League game as well, I was like sitting there. I was like, "What are you, Oli in, Oli out?" You know something. I. This is my get out clause. Ollie must do better. Hundred percent. Because I think, I think, when he signed Ronaldo, his career is defined on Fred. He's put all he's put all of his eggs in in Fred's basket. Fred and McTominay. Yeah, yeah, and so not necessarily McTominay, so to speak, because he's a little bit just a touch more diverse and no, but in that way, no, but, but it's that part. It's that. Yeah, part, yeah, 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 yeah. The partnership. So. If they're doing well, then we're obviously getting results. Yeah. But if it isn't, it's always going to come back to that pairing because he's had how many transfer windows to sort that out? Yeah. And Ronaldo's come in. I don't know, but the, he, the thing is, what's frustrating is Van der Beek sitting there. But he doesn't see Van der Beek fitting in there. He sees Van der Beek. He what? sees Van der Beek. I don't think he bought him. I think he was kind of, they were kind of pushed in that way to say, look, this guy can, can make it. But, he was brought in as the replace, like to cover Bruno. That's the way that I see it. Because otherwise, it doesn't logically make sense why he's yeah, not, not doing, doing that way. But I think Ronaldo's coming as the catalyst to basically just speed up what's going to happen, whether he's going to get him sacked or got in there. Because the pressure now on the demands, the expectations 
have gone back to what they should always be done, which is like challenging and doing everything. Yeah. But again, I think you've got other, I think there's other issues in terms of where does Pogba fit into this? Because if you picked your 11, he might not even get into the squad in terms of like balance. You've well, got Rashford. My only thing with I love Wambasaka. I'm probably the only one, but no, the only, I, I the, love only he is, the problem is def- the right back is not just a defender anymore. No, no, but you also have to take in consideration for about a year and a half. He's had Lindelof on the left or another another defender coming in because Maguire ain't gonna move. He doesn't know who his centre back pairing is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've never had a right winger properly until now with Sancho. So considering what where he is now and what he's done, I think okay, you've got to give him a you've got to give him a chance to get to actually improve. Um, but when you see absolute gander like that on the weekend, where it's just like you've got the chance to kill stale. the game, just stale. It's just, it was just so like. Do you know any no. other team that the passes back is, to the keeper side the to side? Here is with signing Ronaldo is you can't drop him now. You can't rest him. But it's like carrying a player when you got him. It's like ten plays because he ain't gonna press from the back. He ain't gonna do the backtracking. He ain't gonna do any of that. But He's there to win the you the game. Chances that Martial and Cavani had. Headers, he would have put them away. But that's... He would have put them away, of course. Marshall, I just, I don't even understand. Like, and he, and the other, the other thing that frustrates me is play Lingard. Why are you playing Marshall? I, I, it was. We've got like a WhatsApp Man United group. It's the same Ghana. It's the same. It's the same stuff. The problem is he's causing. Oli's causing his own problems. I just, I like just one thing he could do is just bloody do some subs a little, um, do this, do the subs a little bit earlier. He's because, just starting Fred, that's what he needs to do. Yeah, it's just, I think it's just, it's, I feel bad for the guy because he just gets cussed everywhere and it's not all his fault. But the thing is, look, you've got six, you've had six windows to do that. He, he, what he's done is that he stabilized the team, he's, um, He's got he's he's cleared out quite a lot of the crap, yeah. and he's got us into that bit. He'll always be a legend at the club, fair enough. But I think where it gets to is that you've done your part now. Yeah, he's if he, he's, he's if he wants to, still. yeah, if he goes and you're Ole out, then Tika he's always there. If you're Ole in, okay, that's that's fine. But regardless of what camp in there, they they need to do better. The coaching staff, the everything in there needs to be. Yeah, man, like, you can't even say that he doesn't have the squad right now. He's got this. He's completely got the squad right now to be able to do, like to 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 challenge. Like not okay, forget challenge to do better than what they're doing. The Villa game, the Villa. I mean, Villa Real at home. The first half, they should have been four 0 up. Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting. I'm sitting there just, just. You just grab Oli is lives off surviving on these, you know, back against the wall and just about gets a result. And that's what well, the thing is, the next 10 games we're going to find out what's going to happen. So, either by Christmas, I think it'd be difficult. I think looking at some of those stuff in there, and if you if if we if if a few of those, um. I think it'll only be di- I think it'll only be difficult from the point that if they if the board make a decision, they'll want to do it while the the league's still achievable, being realistically. And champions, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, if, if people could talk about Conte, Conte come in, he'll rip that club, he'll rip that team, half of them will be won't even exist. 
So that again, that's too big of a rebuild job. I just don't know who. If there was a ready-made replacement, I think you'd probably hear a lot more pressure coming in now. But if he if he if he gets through ten games and they do really well, then he deserves it. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't, then I think the board are going to be generally. You'd give him till the end of the season, innit? And to win something. But the problem is, is they're just playing so bad. You know, they're just like. There's no rhythm. There's no, there's no there's no pattern and there's no rhythm in terms of it. Apart from the only thing you can predict is that we're going to have a shit first half. Yeah, and then we'll be all right yeah. in the second half. And then we'll have a good 15 minutes at the end where the wave of attack starts. Anything else in the middle, you could just roll on a dice what kind of guns are going to come out. You're and that's it. And that is the truth. With of it. that team, man, they they should never be. They shouldn't be playing that. I mean, look. Yeah, but look at the right. midfield. You've got look how many? Villarreal and Everton. They should not be outplaying us, man. They should not. They've got every other no team's midfield. Every other team's midfield are basic midfielders. Let's just say hypothetically, yeah. and they would walk in between before Fred. I'm not just blaming Fred. I am. <laughs> I'm just. This is what they do. They wind me up to such a point where I start contradicting myself. Mm. Just, just, just mental. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit lost with them, man. I'm really lost with them. I, I don't even look forward to seeing them. Thanks, Dip. You really fucking kill this podcast off with these these comments. <laughs> <laughs> when is it coming out? You never know. By the time it comes out, you never know. Yeah, that's why I need to get it out quick while we're failing. It will definitely. Actually, be... no, we, actually, we got we got some internationals. This yeah, year. yeah, yeah, yeah. It will definitely it will definitely come before that. Anyway. Imagine if you had to put this out in November. We played the ten games and they won them. No, no, no. This is coming out within the next two weeks, man. Next two, two, three weeks. Yeah, you max. never know. Let's see. What are the fixtures for the next two weeks? They might have won four of those games. And then I think. Be... I think. Hang on, let me put it on here. Let's, the let's next. Leicester away. <laughs> we'll we'll do them. They're not. They're not. They're not in great form at all. Leicester away. Atlanta at home. At we'll, home. Then Liverpool. Then Liverpool. Put them away. We should do them. Let's see. Let's put. I'm gonna put this out before the Liverpool game. Yeah, because when the last thing we want to. Be... Yeah, the last thing is we want to be crying after that, because after that it spurs away. Ah. <sighs> nah, they're not in Grand. They're, they're listen. It's their, it's their final. And then we're Atlanta away. Then we got City at home. Mm. Oh, and then... And then Watford away. Bloody hell, this could ruin... It could really ruin our Christmas fun. I know. And then Chelsea away. That'll be a hard game, man. Chelsea look good. And then we've got Arsenal at home. November. Oh, Arsenal look good. Then we got Palace. I think, like, I know this sounds bad, but if we can get to December the 4th without having a heart attack, <laughs> I think oh. it'll be... Oh, then, Dips, thanks. Uh, really, no, I really appreciate um, you taking the time out and being so candid and honest with it. I, I had my kind of uh, expectations of what it was going to be like, and, you know, you've been fantastic. And I really yeah, hope that so those much. people... Um, you know, in a similar situation or kind of be that, reach out and to yourself or, you know, to get some advice and, and see how it is. So I wish you all the best for the future and um, I can't so wait much, to man. kind of meet, uh, meet you in person again. Of course, uh, man. We'll, do, we'll definitely uh, uh, grab a bite to you or something. Wicked, my brother. Thank you so all much. Right, it's respect, Thank man. You, brother. Thank Safe. you.